Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. My guest today is Dr. William Pollock. He is the foremost authority on the use of pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. That's PEMF in North America. If you haven't heard of PMF yet, you're in for a treat because this is one of those therapies that really gets to cellular health. It can really upgrade your body's ability to heal and deal with all kinds of issues at a very, very foundational level. Uh, PMF helps to restore the proper electrical charge across the cellular membrane. So I'm not going to get into it here because that's what the episode's about. Uh, Dr. Pollock's latest book is called Supercharge Your Health with PMFs. And what's great about this book is it goes through many of the different options on the market and which ones might be better depending on what it is that you're trying to achieve with your treatment. The other nice thing about Dr. Pollock, quite apart from the fact that he took a ton of time for this episode, and we go into quite a lot of detail about these things, is that he and his team are available for consults through their website to help people to pick the right device. And you know, it makes sense given that a lot of these devices are a bit of an investment. And so before you spend that kind of money, it's a good idea to make sure that you're buying the right thing. If you're interested in looking into the different devices that are available through their website, and there's a number of different devices from different manufacturers, you want to go to drpollock.com. So that's D-R-P-A-W-L-U-K.com. And you can use the discount code functional NP. So functional N like November, P like Peter. And that will get you a small discount as you check out. If you have any further questions, if you're looking to connect with me, you know that you can find me in my Facebook group at Optimizing Superhuman Performance. And or you can find me on Instagram where you might want to follow me because that's where I talk about all the different podcasts and post different things. Natalie Nidham, that's super easy to it's just my name. And finally, if you get value from this episode, please make sure that you leave a review and share the episode out with your friends and with your networks, because this is how we reach more people and how we can get more amazing guests for you guys. So thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate you and enjoy the episode. Hey folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we launch into the episode. Please remember that all of the information provided in these podcasts is for information purposes only. We are never offering treatments, cures, whatever for any kind of disease or medical condition. Anything you hear about here is going to be intriguing. There's some research around it, but make sure that you check with your medical provider before you go off and do any of this stuff for yourself. All right. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Bill Pollock. It's a pleasure to meet you in person, finally. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. This I've been looking forward to this podcast for a long time. PMFs have been on my radar, obviously, as anybody in this space for a really long time. I actually once got recruited by a PMF company to maybe represent their products in Canada, only at the time they couldn't quite figure out how to get them in. It was like a, it never really worked out, but I'm 
it never, the whole PMF thing never really left me because I spent a weekend with them and learned a lot about it and got to experience their, their device, which is quite strong. And um, I've always felt, you know, I should keep this on my list of things to buy someday, (laughs) but definitely the big ones, the full body ones are an investment, but as you say in your book, it might just be the best investment you've ever made in your health. But before we get into that, what I would love to start with is how you, Mr. Family Medicine guy, ended up here talking about this, because this is your life's work now, is it not? Uh, I'm doing this full time. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, well, I started about, um, I, was, I went to medical school in Canada. Amazing. And eventually eventually drifted south into the U.S. Because at the time that I was in medical school, there were not a lot of positions available to do the kinds of things I wanted to do. And I wanted to go into academic family medicine. Okay. So I ended up going to Case Western. They started a new department of family medicine there. And that's where I ended up going to Case Western. And then eventually I stayed. I married an American nurse. And so here we are. Amazing. It was easier to stay than it is to go back, especially when you talk about the weather in... (laughs) Yes, we were. As can, as good Canadians, we were talking about the weather before the podcast. Especially when you come from Edmonton or uh, Western Canada. Oh yeah. So I work. I was a medical director for a group uh, of doctors in uh, New Jersey, and I recruited, built this group, um, and I had about fourteen family physicians in my group. And it's the biggest medical group, biggest group of family physicians on the whole East Coast of the U.S. Okay. At the time. Um, and we shared responsibility for patients in the hospital. And in a very short period of time, I had at least two patients who were admitted to the hospital with gastric ble- with bleeding, GI bleeding. Okay. Not and good. You do your evaluations and investigations. And what they had in common was gastric bleeding. And what, what was common to them with their gastric bleeding is ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. And they were doing high-dose ibuprofen. They were like 800 milligrams three, four times a day. Um, and almost everybody will get gastritis from uh, that level of ibuprofen. For sure. And some people obviously will get it for, with a lot less, even aspirin. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, having figured that out, we, I had to ask myself, why? Why am I doing this? So why are we killing people, almost killing people, for, mm-hmm. to manage their pain? Yes. Causing more harm right? Then we are actually good because we're not healing anything. We're just covering their pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I decided to start, I decided to study acupuncture. So I went to a program at UCLA for physicians uh, in acupuncture. At that time, we had about 300 physicians around the country that had learned acupuncture. And uh, now there's thousands, like 5,000 or more. So that started my journey. When I finished the acupuncture, that was 1990. So 1990, that Acupuncture was like this. Yeah. Stay, no away, stay away from you with those needles. Right? Uh, now, Madonna has done acupuncture. Now it's okay. <laughs> well, I can tell you, acupuncture saved my bacon a few times. So it's definitely, I always see it almost as a, as a way to hack into the nervous system. And it is a, it, no, there's no question that it's a hack into the nervous system. But we also now, well, anyway, the, back then, the point was that I started to try to get people to do acupuncture. And they oh. wouldn't do it because <laughs> okay. I would, they didn't know what it was. I had spent a lot of time explaining why you do it and what it's going to do and how it's going to work and so on. So I said, well, fine. I Let me forget about the needles. Let me find a different way of doing acupuncture. And I started using magnets because in the Orient, 
they use magnets on acupuncture points, small little powerful magnets on acupuncture points. You can do them on the ears. You can do them on any, any acupuncture point in the body. So um, that started my journey because the acupuncture magnets started doing things that I didn't expect from magnets. Mm-hmm. That I didn't expect from acupuncture. So they would actually heal a problem. They would heal the tissue. And one of my biggest experiences was um, I was going to be reading on my deck or on my patio, uh, reading a book, a new book I had to read. And so I looked down, I had an itch on my lower leg and I looked down and I had a quarter sized lesion on my leg, a big red welt. Uh-oh. And I said, that's classic. I said, this is, it's a spider bite. So I got a good size, thick magnet uh-huh. and put it right on that spider bite. Then I went and read my book. Three hours later, I looked down, took the magnet off, looked down, gone. Really? Gone. Not just better, gone. Like like gonzo gone. Gone. Totally gone. So like, okay. <laughs> so I said, well, what is this? What are they doing? What are these magnets doing? So the question became, what is going on? What is this magnet doing? I mean, we we see ourselves as tissue. Yes. We don't see ourselves as molecules. Mm-hmm. We don't. We may see ourselves as a spiritual being. We may see ourselves as a uh, uh, somebody who has got creativity and has work to do, and so on. Those are the ways that humans perceive themselves typically. But because we're tissue, we don't see ourselves as being molecules. We don't see ourselves as necessarily as being an immune an immune system. You can't even see your immune system. Mm-hmm. You can see your skin. You can see your bones. You can see your muscles. Right. You can see your face. You know how you can function, etc. But you don't see yourself as more than tissue. Correct. And so I said, what, is, what are these magnets doing besides acupuncture? So I was using them successfully on acupuncture points, but it was clear they're doing something else. So I started investigating why. What, what are the mechanisms? What are the actions? Because this could have much wider application than just getting rid of a spider bite. And uh, most of the time, unfortunately, the science um, that was available was written in Cyrillic languages, hmm. Russian. Right. Eastern European languages. Yeah. Um, and in obscure journals yes. that you didn't have access to. This is a recurring theme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So um, along the way, I lectured. I kept using them. I kept working with magnetic systems. And along the way, I met an MD, PhD from the Czech Republic, Dr. Jerebek. And he and I published a book. He had developed a manuscript for his in preparation for his PhD. He had translated a lot of that literature and he had access to those journals and those uh, papers and articles. So he uh, had a book, a very cryptic book, very scientific, very technical from a scientific perspective. So the book is called um, Magnetic Field Therapy in Eastern Europe, a review of 30 years of research. Okay. So that that kind of boing, really opened my eyes. Mm -hmm. Now there was reasons, there was mechanisms, there was an explanation, there were clinical studies not only in animals and petri dishes, but also in humans. Hmm. At that time, when I wrote the book, and by the time he had finished that review, it was already more than 30 years. Wow. That they've been been doing, working with magnetic field therapies. So I worked with him. We redid the book to make it more readable. It was Czech English, sort of a cryptic English. Right. Uh, And we produced that book. But that, because it opened my mind, my eyes, especially for all the health conditions that it could treat, 
Then I started acquiring magnetic systems to be able to treat all kinds of health conditions, not just acupuncture points and meridians. Because I knew that acupuncture, while it had a lot of good things, one of the critical things that I learned is it doesn't heal the cell. Okay. It doesn't heal the tissue. It's very indirect. It works through the meridian system mm-hmm. and stimulates the meridian system. And that stimulates, as you were saying before, it stimulates the nervous system. Right. It rebalances and resets the energy pathways of the body, but it doesn't directly heal the tissue. Now, you can indirectly heal by rebalancing. Yeah, no, I was going to say that as a side effect of doing this work, you would, you often see healing through acupuncture. Very limited. Okay. Very okay. limited. So when you heal a fracture, yes, if you do acupuncture, you can heal a fracture faster because now you're you're stimulating the, the energy processes of the body Correct. Yeah. to some extent, right? But more indirectly than directly. Okay, I got you. All right, so magnetic therapy now became direct. Okay. So you got a brain injury, direct. You got a cut, direct. You got a fracture, direct. You got a lung disease, direct. Okay. And at the same time, it gets all the acupuncture points in the body. Hmm, for good so measure. The com- combination of both. You're actually stimulating the acupuncture system. And I knew some of this before when I first started the, uh, the training in acupuncture. But since then, there's been a lot more science that's now showing that the acupuncture system is a DC current system. It's a battery system. And there's 12 meridians and, you know, they have 360 points or, you know, thousands of points basically in the body. Not all of them are connected to the meridians. But when you put a magnet on a meridian, you're basically taking that current. And this is a law of physics, Maxwell's laws. Uh, there's a current flowing through there, DC current. You put a magnet on an acupuncture point, you're amping up the current at that point. Hmm. And that's moving down the meridian system. So anywhere in the body, if I treat the chest... I'm getting all kinds of acupuncture points at the same time. And at the same time, I'm also treating the tissue directly. So you're amplifying the current. Can that ever go wrong? Can that ever go sideways? Is it always a positive? No. So there's a big difference between TENS and electrical stimulation. Okay. So TENS and electrical stimulation of an acupuncture point will amp up that meridian system much higher you'll get much better, stronger, faster action, but it can hurt. Mm-hmm. Because after all, it's controlled electrocution. Right. Well, you are talking to someone who once had such a bad back spasm that I bent the acupuncture needles. <laughs> well, that, and that's the, that's the North American needles because the Chinese needles are like sewing needles. Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, so they don't, oh, yeah. they don't bend. Okay. They don't bend, but they hurt like heck. Yeah, I'm 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 good with the wimpy ones. <laughs> yes, so that's fine. But they don't produce the same benefits. They don't produce the strong a reaction in the body, and that's why North American acupuncturists will actually attach currents like a tens machine, right. attach current to the needle, and that will again really amp up that, that that acupuncture system. But because it doesn't do the tissue healing, in my mind, I, eventually I basically abandoned acupuncture. Okay. I can do a lot more with magnetic therapy than I ever could with acupuncture. Now you can combine them. And I actually have a training course for acupuncturists combining magnetic therapy with acupuncture. That makes sense. So augmenting, adding them together will produce stronger, better actions than either one alone. For sure. But if you're going to rely on one thing, because you have to go somewhere to get acupuncture, 
if you have your own magnetic system, that you don't have to go anywhere and you're doing acupuncture anyway. Right, right, right. right? You save a lot of so money. Kind of, <laughs> and, and you eventually save a lot of money. Now, you can certainly go to doctor's offices and get magnetic therapy as well. But since most people who tend to use acupuncture and use uh, magnetic therapy tend to use it for chronic problems. Mm-hmm. Now, acupuncture is would be great for an acute problem. If you didn't own a magnetic system, they're going to get a, like a sprain or a strain or a pulled muscle. Yeah. Then that would be good because it's very short, very, very time limited. Correct. Short yeah. course of treatment. Uh, but if you have spinal stenosis or you have a heart disease or you have you had a concussion or you have all kinds of mold or Lyme problems, then this is going to be lifetime for better, for worse, more or less. And so you're better off with your own system. But as we kind of discussed at the beginning, magnetic field therapy, because it's working at a basic level, it's working at the cellular level. That's my journey. Because it's working at the cellular level, you will always need magnetic therapy. In fact, in China, right, the Chinese acupuncturists would, o- would only get paid when uh, you were well. Yeah, that's right. That right? changes the game. Well, that changes the game somewhat. Yes. Well, but you know, let's think about that. Oh yeah. Uh, you're you don't need to go to acupuncture when you're not well. You need something else. Mm-hmm. In other words, they they went somewhere else. They went to the surgeons. They went to the medical doctors. They had to go somewhere else or they died. Right. Right. So acupuncture has a has limitations. All therapeutics. All therapeutics have limitations. Of course. Each one has its place and each one you need to optimize the value every given modality. And usually for the best healing, after practicing medicine for 50 years, the best healing requires multiple modalities. Yeah. You can't just rely on one thing. You can't just rely on an aspirin or an ibuprofen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're talking magnets, but magnets, PMF, pulsed electromagnetic frequency versus like when you... When you got your spider bite, you put a magnet on there. You didn't have a PMF device. So there's a distinction to be made between the magnets and the PMF. Okay. So let's say there are actually three distinctions. Okay. Okay. There's uh, the magnet, which is what we call static magnets. Okay. They, they don't move. I mean, you can move the magnet around, but the magnetic field is permanent. Okay. But you make the magnet, it stays a magnet. Correct. And then you put a magnet on the tissue. The magnet doesn't move, but the, what's going on in the body is in motion. And the magnetic field with a static magnet interacts with the motion of the cells and the molecules and in, in, in the tissues, mm-hmm. and the ion atoms and so on. Um, so that's a, a static magnetic field. Then we have what are called time-varied magnetic fields. So that means the magnetic field isn't motion. So the magnetic field is pulsing into the body, going back and forth. And as it pulses, it's now dynamic and the body is dynamic. And so you have much more dynamic action when you use a pulse magnetic field. In addition, in order to reach deep into the body with static magnets, you have to have huge magnets. Right. Like an MRI machine. Right. All right. Huge magnets. And that means it's extraordinarily expensive. Mm -hmm. And that means you're going to have to go somewhere to get treatment. Right which is not going to serve you if you've got a chronic condition going on. In, in the long run, it's not going to serve you that well. So time-varied magnetic fields, there are two kinds of those. One is EMFs. So we can get rid of the elephant in the room in a second. So yeah. EMFs are, right, the, the Wi-Fi, 5G, all that. 
And then we have PEMFs, which are pulsed electromagnetic fields. Right. And the, there's a huge difference between those two. And that enhance the, the concerns and the cautions that we have about EMFs. You're right. Which we, which I will often refer to as non-native EMFs, although PEMF in some ways is not native either. So it's not. Either. It absolutely exactly. is not. So although the body itself is a PEMF. Yeah. No. I mean, we are electrical beings. So right, and we're also static magnets in the body. We're both. Okay. Right. So the EMFs are artificial. They're synthetic magnetic fields, and they're designed for one purpose primarily. Communication. Right. Right? That's their purpose. Their purpose is not biological. Their purpose is to for communication. Okay. And the body okay. happens to get in the way. And so without going too far down this rabbit hole, in your opinion, because there's, I mean, certainly in the, in our world, the opinions are fairly consistent, but is our EMFs, these, these, Artificial These fields. artificial fields harmful to the human body or are they a non-event or does it depend? Are some people more sensitive than others? Like, like I've life, always lived life, in a world of, I think I'm less sensitive. Is, but Everything in life depends. Of course. <laughs> All right. So you can have too much water. You can have too much air. Correct. <laughs> you can have too much food. You can have too much sunlight. You can have too much cold. You know, everything depends. So EMFs, because they're synthetic, there's a, another big difference between PEMFs and EMFs. EMFs are broadcast into the environment. So they're, they're what I call open loop magnetic fields. Okay. So they're just getting sent so, out there. Just sent out. They'll come back on themselves. And the same thing happens to radio waves and television waves and radar and so on. It doesn't come back. Correct. Unless it's designed to come back and radar is designed to come back. So it has a, it has a transmitter, but also has a receiver. Right. And microwaves typically only have a, a transmitter. The receiver is your cell phone or wherever the intended yes. target is. Right. So they're open source magnetic fields and they have a wavelength. And then the wavelength is, a, is critical. Uh, so the wavelengths in microwaves and Wi-Fi are extremely sh short wavelengths. They're micrometers, millimeters, even, even smaller than millimeters. So when you get up in the gigahertz range, which you do with the cell phones and microwave towers, then those wavelengths being so short absorbed by the body are absorbed by the body. Okay. And that's the principle behind microwave ovens. Awesome. <laughs> they get absorbed by whatever you put in the oven. Correct. Now the oven happens to be very powerful compared to a cell phone. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you put yourself in a microwave oven, you would really cook yourself. Yeah. Just like you do with the other things that you put in the microwave on purpose. So because they absorb, that's where the harm comes in. Okay. All right. Now, PEMFs, because they're not open circuits, they're not open loops. Right, right. PEMFs yeah. are closed loops. So my finger is, let's say, the, the wire. The current is flowing in this direction, in that direction. And that means that current, as it's flowing, produces a magnetic field that is perpendicular. So it's called the right-hand rule. It's perpendicular to the flow of the current and is basically pulsing with the current at the beat, basically, of the current. And that means the magnetic field is going out and collapsing back. And out and collapsing back. I said out like a Canadian. 
Can't get the Canadian out of the guy. <laughs> been, there, been there too long. Yeah. So basically, basically, it's a closed loop. And because it's a closed loop, there's no harm. It's not absorbed. Oh, so it doesn't penetrate. It's just affecting our own electrochemical balance from the outside. It goes, it goes right on through. Right. Passes completely through. It is not used up. It's not attenuated. It's not blocked by the body. Nothing in the body blocks a magnetic field. Okay. Even a static magnetic field. But the pulsed magnetic field, PEMF, then basically goes through the body and as it's passing through, creates all these different actions, the tissues. Now, some of those actions are the same as EMFs, as, as microwaves. But the key difference, again, with the microwaves is they get absorbed. And the more exposure you have, the more intense the exposure, then the more sort of harm, risk of harm there is to the body. Uh, an example that I use is that we're cooking our head when we're using a cell phone to our heads. You put a cell phone to your head, you use it for 10 or 15 minutes, you pull it away from your ear. It's going to be very red. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I don't, people don't look at their ears after people don't look at their ears after they do that. No, no. But I, I see it regularly. It becomes very red, bright red. The other ear gets a little redder too by reflex responses in the body. But it's not anywhere near as red as the one that you were treating here. And this is why cell phones um, attached to the head for hours at a time, like often happens in kids, on and used only on one side of the head, is not only cooking the ear. It's cooking the brain. It's cooking the brain. Yeah. And all the other tissues in that area. So that's where the risk comes in. But not everybody who does that gets cancer. So the dose, the cumulative dose, the intensity of the dose, it becomes important. Mm -hmm. And so that's why EMFs, people may think, well, I'm not harmed by it. They're not going to feel anything from it. They don't feel like they're being cooked. Right. Right. So that's why they're insidious. But it's the total dose. Now, if you do, if you do listen to the phone at your ear for five minutes and then you don't listen again for a couple of hours, what's, what are the tissues going to do? They'll cool, they'll cool right off. They'll rebalance themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no harm because it's not permanent because you moved it away. And when you move it away, the body has a chance to rebalance itself. So when we get hot, our body has mechanisms to cool us off. Mm -hmm. When we get cold, our body has mechanisms to warm us up. Right. Right. If we get angry, our body has mechanisms to chill your anger. Hopefully. <laughs> no, it does. It does. And hopefully, yes, it does. Hopefully it will. Yeah. Unless you're, you're like a cumulative anger going on. So basically, PMFs then basically pass completely through the body. As they pass through, they stimulate all kinds of processes. And that is based on a principle of physics called uh, Faraday's law. Okay. So we, we talked about current applied to the body. It's electrocution. All right, then you're applying the current to the body, and there's a scientific term for it. It's called capacitative coupling. Okay. Right? And um, that's okay, but then you, again, you have risks of burning the tissue. If you want to get deeper and deeper and deeper into the body, you're going to have to have higher and higher intensity elect electrocution, uh, which can obviously harm tissue. Mm -hmm. And we use electrical stimulation, high-intensity electrical stimulation medically. Right. For burning warts, for example, right? Or right. cauterizing blood vessels when you would do surgery. Right. So it can cause that kind of harm, but it's controlled harm. PEMFs don't do anything like that. They basically do what is called inductive coupling. They induce charge of the body. Hmm. Right? So the magnetic field doesn't induce the charge. It's the stimulus for the body to induce the charge. Because the magnetic field is just passing right through. Right. Zip. 
zip, zip. It doesn't stay. As it zips through, it then initiates all these processes because then it goes along with the principle of physics called Maxwell's equations or Maxwell's laws. So those ma that means ma magnetic fields and electrical fields or electrical charges are constantly interacting. Every electric charge has a magnetic field. Okay. Hence the wire. Now the wire is safe because it's shielded. So you're not exposed to electrocution unless the wire is broken and you touch that wire to your skin. Right. Right. It's shielded because it's shielded. It doesn't, but it doesn't, the shielding doesn't stop the magnetic field unless it's a metal shielding. Mm -hmm. And then it blocks the magnetic field. But most of the wires that we're talking about, like a wire for a lamp, mm -hmm. going from your electrical outlet to your lamp, that wire is not producing much of a magnetic field because the, the currents are opposite each other. One wire is going out, right. another wire is coming back. Right. And those magnetic fields, that's, each one is producing a magnetic field, but they're counteracting each other. So they're basically nullifying each other. Okay. So that, that current and that cable going to your uh, lamp is not going to produce a magnetic field. Okay. So what we do then is we take these wires from a magnetic system and they're going out and coming back just like the wires to your lamp. But what we've learned, Tesla taught us this, that if you separate the wires, then they're separated enough they don't counteract each other. Right. So that each loop of that wire is producing a, a high-intensity magnetic field or intensity magnetic field. Okay. And then you use that principle. Now you put a coil on your leg or your arm or your wherever you want, and that magnetic field is going to go deep into the tissue and then do the work that the magnetic fields do. Nice. Okay, so we've separated the wires, we've created the magnetic field. So it's like a magnet, but because it's pulsed, it's not fixed like the magnets are. It's it's dynamic. It's a dynamic magnet. Okay. And at a cellular level, our cells are little little energy factories themselves. <laughs> well, and the body, we say we are 75%, 85% water, but we're not water. No. We're electrolyte soup. Yes, that would be, I guess that's a much better... Yeah, because water alone wouldn't do it for us. <laughs> that, and it's not yeah. just saline. So we don't have saline in our bodies. Mm -hmm. We do have some saline, but the saline, the sodium and the chloride are interacting with potassium and magnesium and calcium and all these other ions that are in our bodies. So the body is a, is a, is a battery. Correct. Yeah, got you. Right? So it's a very dynamic battery and charges are going back and forth constantly. And they're dancing with each other. So positives and negatives dance. Positives repel, negatives, re, you know, repel, but positive and negative together combines, attracts, and so on. So magnetic fields are interacting with all that charge, with that dance that's going on to then produce more charge, to amplify the charge that the body's already producing. Mm -hmm. That's what inductive, inductive coupling is, essentially. Right. And that increase in charge then increases the energy that's available in the body, in the cell to heal, to rebalance. And so in a sense, what PMF does, if I can oversimplify it ridiculously, is it reestablishes appropriate energy to the cells so that they can do what they need to do. Correct. I mean, it is the ultimate upstream intervention that allows the body to do its thing without doing it for it. Like, is that? Yes, totally, totally, totally. Uh, so to amplify that point, we have about 100 trillion cells in our bodies. And every cell has about 2,000 biochemical processes per second. <laughs> right? It's right. an amazing amount of work that's going on in every individual cell. 
And you can imagine that any given time, it's not that efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take, if you do, if you hyperventilate for, for two minutes, you've already upset the balance of the body. Right. Right. Drink too much water, upset the balance of the body. So all these, the body is constantly trying to rebalance itself, but it, it may not be that efficient. Mm-hmm. And when it's not efficient, that's when we get into trouble. That's when disease happens. Right. Right. So a good example of that is the FDA in the U.S. has approved devices 25 years ago or so for healing fractures that won't heal. Right. So we call we call those non-unions. Yes. They don't unite. Yeah. So even if a fracture has been there for seven years or so, when you start magnetic field therapy, bingo, the healing starts. Interesting. It's been stuck. So why is it stuck? It didn't have the energy to finish the job. Didn't have the tools or the resources, whatever it needed, that it stalled the healing process. And now we found that if you do a non-union fr- fracture, for depending on the, the kind of magnetic system you have, and depending on the fracture, the size of the bones, and so on, if you do six six to nine hours a day magnetic therapy in six months to a year, you'll heal a fracture. It'll be healed, all because of the magnetic therapy. It was stuck for six or seven years, even. We consider a non-union after six months. Right. And, and so, well, it's interesting because I've, I guide a lot of people around peptide use and I've seen, I've had some, we've had some pretty good luck with non-union fractures and I shouldn't call it luck, been pretty good success with non-union fractures and certain peptides and helping the body to overcome. But I'll bet you that if we added PMF to that, you would amplify that success even more. I'm going to be on a peptide summit next week. In fact, Oh, nice. We're talking just about that very issue. So yes, magnetic field therapy peptides are just another protein, another molecule or piece of a protein in the tissues that does certain jobs, right? It has certain actions in the tissues. But calcium does that. Magnesium does that. Um, DNA does that. Stem mm-hmm. cells do that. And stem cells and peptides go hand in hand as well. You, know, you need the peptides to make the stem cells. And just like you could be deficient in magnesium, you could be deficient in peptides. Yeah. Well, they're, the, they're like signaling molecules, right? They're, they are, they are signaling. They, they flip switches. Signaling. Yeah. They, they energize or excite things to do, to do their jobs. So yes, magnetic field therapy is more than peptides. So it can actually take the peptides that you're doing and make it work better in the other things that have to go on at the same time for the peptides to be effective. This is not just about peptides. Well, and I think, I can't remember if we were talking about this before the podcast or at the beginning of the podcast, but it's really about finding those things that are complementary and stacking them together to get an amplification of results, ultimately. Optimizing the results. So I, um, I tell people all the time, when you have an injury, let's say you have a controlled injury, you have surgery. So what happens is you have a wound created on purpose. Mm-hmm. What does the doctor do who created the wound to help you to heal better, faster? I think all they do is stitch you together. They bring it together. Nada. <laughs> well, they Nada. kind of bring the two pieces together. That's it. I mean, it's. Right. But actually, actually, there is, there is a, there is something they do. They cross their fingers. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What you're doing is you're saying, okay, I've done my job. You got to do your job. You got to mm-hmm. heal yourself, right? Go yeah. and heal yourself. Come back in two weeks. Right. In the meantime, you're relying on that person. Now, why do you get into a non-union? Because the terrain was out of balance at yeah. the time of the fracture, right? 
So if you improve the terrain, then the body has a chance to make that fracture, whether it was deficiency in minerals or whether it was deficiency of proteins, whether it was the immune system was out of whack, uh, you know, whether they were uh, inadequately rested, the list goes on and on, right? Yeah. So what you're doing then with the magnetic fields is you're stimulating that process. So you're removing the chance. So in your book, you talk about PMF for things like Lyme, mold, viruses, different, different, even like funguses, stuff like that. Is the PMF affecting the, the mold, the virus, or is it more that it's optimizing the body's ability to respond in an appropriate way? Uh, yes. <laughs> Both, <laughs> all of the above, and all then of the some. above. So, and then some. Okay. So what what I what I tell people is I can't I can't have I don't have really good evidence that says a particular PMF is going to kill a Lyme organism. Okay. I know I there are PMFs that will kill Lyme organisms. There's a good chance they'll kill you too. Well, because how does it distinguish? Like it's just another cell, right? It's just another organism. Exactly. Exactly. So most of the time, it's like the surgery example. Most of the time, what I tell people about infections in particular is that it may have a benefit against the organism itself. And there's some proof about that, particularly in contaminated water, that you can treat contaminated water with PEMFs and it cleans the water. It does something to the organisms. Why? I, we don't know. We have, that hasn't been worked out. But what I do know, and I have certainty with, is going to help you fight it better. Okay. So, it's- so number one, you're going to give the body more resources to, to deal with the infection. You're going to have the have help the body have more resources to heal the damage from the infection, and you're going to give the body more resources to prevent another infection. Okay. So if you do magnetic field therapy on a regular basis, you're just basically keeping the system amped up, even though it may be somewhat wasted energy. At least you have that foundation, the floor under you, that you're less likely to drop through the base through the floor to the basement. Gotcha. So, so, it does so basically what you're doing is you're, you're, you're trying to heal the body. So in the book, I say that magnetic field therapy stimulates neutrophils and the uh, a body's ability to actually attack the organism that's causing the harm to the body. So the body's immune system is already trying to fight it. All you're doing is augmenting the body's immune system to help to fight it. But in addition to that, it's doing all the other things to help to reestablish homeostasis in the tissue. Well, and I think that's really important because we know that just boosting the immune system as a rule is of limited value. I mean, maybe if you have someone whose immune system is on the floor, you could, you could argue that it needs to be boosted, but the immune system really works as a modulation tool. It has to be modulated, not to, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the full on Goldilocks principle here. Inflammation is good. Yeah. Right. But it has, the body has to turn it off when it's done. Yeah. And the problem with aging is that the body doesn't turn off the inflammation. Correct. So with and PMF, there's, it again, we're going back to the idea of letting the body really, it's the body's in the driver's seat here. It just has more resources because we're not shutting down inflammation. We're just giving the body at a cellular level, the energy to decide when inflammation is necessary and when inflammation is not necessary. So to go back to that point again, is that if you have 5,000 bio, or 2,000 biochemical processes per second in every cell. <laughs> Which is, yeah, dizzying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But how much treatment do you need? Mm-hmm. So when you do treat and you back off, then you're relying on the body maintaining the, the work that it was doing that you stimulated it to do while you're doing the treatment. So when you back off, then are, are you going to fail? Well, you don't know. 
So unfortunately, there are no good guidelines for this. The guideline is the body. Mm-hmm. The guideline is that body. Right. So for the non-union fractures, there's, they did a study actually looking at people who are doing treatment, the treatment time that they had. And if you did more than nine hours a day of treatment, you healed that fracture in a third of the time. Right. If you only did an hour a day, it's going to take you months longer. So it's dose and time dependent as well, based on the individual. Based on the body, based on the tissue. Right. You can't, you can't, um, you can't build a house without bricks and mortar. Sure. Sure. Okay. We need the supplies. We need the DNA to be working. We need the physiology to be functioning efficiently. And uh, then, then you need charge. And so the element that we're missing most of the time and most of the things we do in natural medicine is supplying charge. Right. But let's talk about charge, ATP. So PEMFs increase ATP production by between 100 to 600%. That's pretty impressive. Where? In the mitochondria, wherever it's needed. <laughs> yes, in terms of where they're made. But where on the body do you have to treat to get 100 to 600%? Right there, where the magnetic field is. So ATP, how much ATP do we make a day? Are you asking me so much? You know, <laughs> our body weight. Right. We make our body weight in ATP every day. That doesn't mean we gain that weight, mm-hmm. but we make that much ATP every day. So every ATP molecule in the body recycles between 100 and 200 times a day. So it's, it's constantly recycling. So when you back off stimulation, what happens to ATP production? And PEMFs actually make ATP molecules. They make it from ADP and NAD before that and all that. So they make ATP from ADP through enzyme actions. And then ATP by itself does nothing. It's just there. Yeah. No, you have to remove those phosphate molecules. You have to remove one of the phosphates. You have to hydrolyze the phosphate. And that's another enzyme that does that. Right. Magnetic field therapy does is not only activates the enzymes to make ATP, it activates the enzymes to hydrolyze it. So it sure. releases the charge. So P- PMFs then basically are constantly recycling the ATP. So it's just adding the charge. I mean, it's giving the body, the cell, the energy to do, to make the ATP and break it down. And, and therefore to do all the work that the cell has to do, which right. is to re- repair and recover and regenerate and so on. So um, how much magnetic field therapy needs to be done, again, is going to depend on the person, depend on the lesion, depend on nutrition status, all, all those kinds of different things. Um, but PMS actually will give you that charge that nothing else does. Now, you could say, well, uh, infrared does or red light therapy does. Uh, acupuncture is going to give you some amount of charge, but not a lot. Um, so all these other modalities do some of that as well. The mm-hmm. difference is that they don't go all the way through the body. Right, right. Right? And the magnetic fields could work deep in the lungs. So long hauler syndrome, people who had long haul, post-COVID syndrome. Yeah. They're not doing magnetic field therapy. Good luck. You could do all the nutritional stuff you want, but they need the charge. They need the extra boost in their immune system and their uh, cell function and so on to do Mm -hmm. the repair. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like everybody, every house should have one at this point. Um, But you started talking about this, how how you kind of got into this world was looking at the damage that painkillers and it, a relatively innocuous one at that ibuprofen was doing to people. And there's a huge section in, in the, in your second book, the most recent one on pain 
And I personally know someone whose life has been destroyed by chronic pain. Um, and you talk a lot about PMF treatment for people who are dealing with chronic pain from whether it's neuropathy or, you know, I mean, obviously it's all coming from the brain because it's the brain that's sending that signal that you have pain. How do, how did you get there? Like you, did you go directly into the pain world or? Well, again, starting with acupuncture, one of the most common uses of acupuncture is for pain. Sure. So again, when I started doing the research, started using magnets, pain was one of the first things that gets eliminated. So magnetic fields have their natural pain killing effect. It's called antinociception, the, the perception of the pain itself. So it blocks that perception to some extent. And that works through, it works through both the opioid system of the body. So in other words, it's an opiate in itself. Yeah. It stimulates the body's own opiates. Yeah. Stimulates the body's own anti-pain uh, mechanisms called endorphins. Mm-hmm. And now we're discovering the magnetic fields also actually stimulate cannabinoids. Oh, you're kidding. It hits all the marks. <laughs> right. And then in addition to that, it's, it's helping the brain to be able to deal with the pain. So in other words, if you're anxious because of your pain, you relax the nervous system, not only because of endorphins, but other neurochemical changes that happen with PMF therapy. So you're getting a bunch of other things, but helping the pain by itself in my mind is not my goal. I'm happy that your pain is better. For sure. But to the person who's in chronic pain and, and frankly, it spins, right? I mean, it, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because of the anxiety, because of the mechanisms the in, the brain. Brain. in the brain. Exactly. That in and of itself has got to be a big piece of even allowing that healing to happen, which the magnetic therapy is doing as well, as well which is right. the, the mega bonus here. So we're, what I've learned over the years as well is that you don't just treat the source of the pain. You broke your finger. Right. Right. So you want to heal. You want to decrease the pain, but you want to heal because if you don't heal, the pain comes back. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Number one. Number two, you also want to be able to treat the, the brain's processing of the pain. And, and you want to decrease inflammation, which contributes to all that. So all the actions of magnetic fields in, in that Power Tools for Health book, and actually in the Supercharger Health book, we talk about the mechanisms of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those mechanisms happen, bang, like that. Magnetic field therapy doesn't control the mechanisms. Well, no, that's what's so magical about it. The body controls The body them. controls yeah. the mechanisms. No, for sure. The that's- body is in charge. All you're doing is giving the body a push. So one metaphor you could have is that any chronic problem um, can be related to, say, let's say a rock rolling down a hill. How fast is that rock rolling down the hill? It should be rolling fast, but let's say it's not rolling fast. So what do you do? You kick it. Mm-hmm. And it rolls faster, right? Or it's stuck on the side of the hill. And then you kick it because it wasn't going fast enough so that it got stuck. So you give it a kick and then it rolls down the hill. So in a sense, magnetic therapy is accelerating all the natural processes in the body. Sure. Yeah, no, and and taking your analogy, your your kick is actual transferring energy to the rock so that it can keep moving or move faster. Exactly, from a physics perspective, correct. From a physics perspective, which is essentially what the PMF is doing. And that's essentially what the PMF is doing. So based on Faraday's law, Faraday's law says that you the magnetic field um, induces charge in the body, and the charge production in the body by the magnetic field is the upslope of the pulse. Okay. It's the upslope 
that stimulates the charge. And the Faraday's loss is basically defined as DBDT. So DB, DB stands for change in intensity divided by the change in time. So how long does it take for that uh, pulse to reach its peak? Right. And based on Faraday's law, the higher the pulse and the faster the peak, the stronger the induction of charge of the body. Okay. Therefore, the better the results. So there are lots of magnetic systems that are being sold that are extremely low intensity. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. How do people, how do you choose? Because I think in the book you talk about there is no one system for everybody, although there's probably a couple out there that you might say, if you were going to get one, this, and you could afford it, this is what you would do. But, but nevertheless, there's all these different, how do people know, like, what's too little? No, but the point is that you, you have small magnets, like I started with, you have middle-sized magnets, you have big magnets, big body systems, you have small systems, and they're weak, and they're medium and strong. Right. So if you only had a limited number, uh, a limited set of funds, then you then you got to be precise about what you're buying. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you're making your decisions solely based on the fact that it's forty five dollars, not a good idea. Well, good luck. Well, I mean, you're not going to get very far. You may as well get some magnets and a <laughs> Well, forty five dollars will buy you a magnet that you right. can put on a spider bike. But it's not going to help mm-hmm. arthritis a whole lot. It's not going to help uh, dementia. It's not going to help cancer, it's not going to help Lyme disease. So you need the right system for, for that. For that, And the book basically gives you some of those formulas for 80 different conditions. What's the optimal magnetic system for that particular problem? And some of them, you have a lot more choice. In the long run, you're better having something when you make the investment. And if you're going to have to spend over $2,000 or $3,000 for a magnetic system to get the right magnetic system, you could spend $6,000. Mm-hmm. Doctors' offices have magnetic systems, and then they're thirty-five thousand dollars. Well, I was going to say, I have a, I have another friend who owns. I think it's a forty thousand dollars system. Like it's, it's the mother of all systems, which is great, but that's not in most people's wheelhouse. Well, and it's overkill. Okay. And for the practice setting, you need that because you don't know what's walking in the door. So you have to have enough capacity to deal with whatever walks in the door. I, the spider bite may only need, say, twenty-five Gauss. So Gauss is a measure of magnetic field intensity, right? But let's say for people, like the people who've got the issues that are the most common that I'm seeing right now. So I'm seeing a lot of Lyme, a lot of mold. I mean, the COVID long haul is is a massive issue, but let's just even before the COVID long haul, let's say people need help with their immunity and and their, their metabolic health, frankly, because that's what's getting them in trouble in the first place when they come across a pathogen, like the one that's been making the rounds for the last couple of years. So let's say somebody is like, look, I don't, I don't have a particular problem right now, but I know that, and my, you know, one of my big focuses in my work is about longevity and how do we age as well as possible so that we remain vital and we're hiking in our eighties, not, you know, planning what retirement home we're going to be spending the next 20 years in kind of thing. So if, if somebody was, was had that as a goal and they wanted to plan for the possibility that, you know, arthritis might be something that comes up and you might say that if you had the right PMF in the first place and you were using it properly, you wouldn't get arthritis, but let's just say. (laughs) As long as you're not pouring gasoline on the fire. Yeah. As long as you're not pouring gasoline on the fire, you know, how much would someone have to spend kind of if they're in reasonable health and they want to optimize themselves moving forward? Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor this episode, 
Berkeley Life is dedicated to supporting healthy nitric oxide levels. Nitric oxide is made naturally in your body, helping to relax the walls of blood vessels and promoting healthy circulation. However, stress, age, and environmental factors can inhibit your body's ability to make enough of it. When nitric oxide is low, your body loses that natural circulatory boost, which not only impacts your cardiovascular system, but also other key systems that rely on the circulation of blood, oxygen, and nutrients. Berkeley Life Supplements provide a dietary nitrate that the body converts into nitric oxide. Their two-capsule daily dose has the dietary nitrate equivalent to five ounces of spinach or seven ounces of beetroot. This helps to maintain healthy circulation, delivering nutrients where they need to go from your head to your toes. So before you take your next supplement or multivitamin, consider whether you've primed your body to deliver all that good stuff you're putting in. Berkeley Life is available only through healthcare practitioners. So by using my practitioner code NIDDBL while registering and checking out at Berkeley Life, you will not only be able to order it, but you will also get 10% off your first order. And now let's get back to the episode. All right. So guidance. And I go into this in the book. There's, a, there's an appendix in the book about adenosine. So we're okay. talking about ATP. So yeah. adenosine is, is part of ATP. Yeah. It turns out that the adenosine receptor, and there are numerous adenosine receptors in the body, that the adenosine receptor is responsible for dealing with inflammation. Got it. Research is showing that the optimal magnetic field intensity for the adenosine receptor to stimulate the adenosine receptor is 15 Gauss, 1,5. Okay. Right? Now, there's another law of physics that has to be accounted for. In that appendix, you can read about the adenosine receptor and taking into account the intensity of the magnetic field that you need based on the depth in the body that you have to treat. Right. Right. If you're treating a finger, it's a whole different ball game. Mm -hmm. There are magnetic systems that are being sold and people don't tell you, people selling these usually don't tell you the intensity. If they don't tell you the intensity run, but I can tell you right now, and I have that in the book, some of these very low intensity systems. So if they're one Gauss intensity, then all it's doing is just stimulating you superficially, maybe the acupuncture meridians, but it's not going to do any deep healing work. It may make you feel better right? because it's stimulating the acupuncture system, but it's not going to do healing work. So that blog has a table in it that tells you the intensity you need depending on the depth. So for example, a 4,000 Gauss magnetic field, which is a high intensity magnetic field, 4,000 Gauss drops down to 15 Gauss in four inches. Okay. So you're not getting through the body here. Well, this you, is where you talk about the sandwich. You talk about the sandwich because yeah. a lot oh, of these that's another, devices. That's another, that's another concept as well. Yes. Yeah. So when you talk, the fact that the magnetic field drops off very rapidly, and that's true for sound and light, it's, it's a principle of physics. Yeah, it's no, it gets blocked. Got it. But doesn't get blocked. Well, it dissipates rather. It, it, correct. It, it decreases in intensity logarithmically. Correct. It's not, yeah. not linear, it's, like, it's logarithmic. And so you have to account for that. So if you're going to be treating your long haul syndrome, you got to have a high enough intensity system that's going to be able to penetrate through the lungs and the body completely. So mm-hmm. it's going to have to be a higher intensity magnetic system. Those systems are available now. We were able to work with a, uh, an Israeli manufacturer to get a system like that that's affordable, he says. It's not $25. No, but that's okay. I mean, affordability is a relative term. But as you know, I think that the 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 most important word in in when we're talking about price and things like this is investment. Value. And well, value and investment, but you're making an investment to get the right value. Yeah, correct. 
So, so what is the affordable system cost? Yeah. A uh, 4,000 Gauss magnetic field using one of these Israeli devices is going to be around $6,000. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's an investment. It's, it's a lot of money for sure. It's an investment. And when you have long haul syndrome, uh, all I can say is you have to find a way. So you, you talk about machines in, in there that are $2,500 or $2,400. Will those right. help at all? Or is it like, would those, would any of those maybe do the work, but you would take, it would take longer to get the work done or will they just not get as deep enough into the body to get that degree of work? In? Well, on that chart, the, the slope of the curve and benefit at the peak, it plateaus at about 15 Gauss. So anywhere down that slope, you're going to get some benefit. Okay. How much benefit will depend a lot on the person, the problem, the severity, the chronicity, uh, the nutritional status of the person. So what else you're doing? Everything else you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a $2,500 machine is, but we have one, it's called the BioBalance. That machine is a 10 Gauss. So already it's not enough. Now for health maintenance purposes, for stimulating the acupuncture system, for just general health maintenance, it's fine. It's better than, it's less than a $5,000 or $6,000 machine that only gives you one Gauss. Right. So what you're looking for is 15 Gauss? Ideally. Like in a perfect world, you're looking for 15 Gauss. Minimal. Right. Okay. And we do have have one system in particular from Israel um, that gives you 70. And it's reasonably affordable. And when I say reasonably affordable, it's about $3,500. Yeah, that's, that's right. So 70s, 70s good is better than five, better than one, probably better than 10. Now, again, if you're going to make, but if you're spending $3,500 for a machine, think about it. Is it worth your making the investment to go to the next level, which is going to give you something that you'll be able to use more effectively and be able to use for years? Or whatever may come down the road. Mm-hmm. So that's our six thousand dollar. Yeah, you made forty percent of the investment already. A fifty percent of the investment already. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're very they're not not easy to sell. You can sell it afterwards if you want to upgrade yourself. But uh, again, if you can try to find a way to get the right machine the first time. And on drpollock.com, drpawluk.com, uh, we, we do consultations for people who are serious. So we talk about Lyme disease, we talk about long haul syndrome. Um, they need help because mm-hmm. it's not just a matter of getting the right machine. It's using it right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because there are magnetic therapy uh, companies or ma- ma- magnetic device companies that say, all you need is eight minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can do eight minutes a day and you're going to be, you know, you can sneeze and then you're done. It, right. It's just not going to do anything. Right. So you, you have to do what you have to do for the problem you have. And again, if you if you're gonna in a sense cheat on the intensity, then you're gonna spend a lot more time. So I mentioned the non-union fractures. Mm-hmm. They were they were doing it for nine hours a day. So like they were sitting there for nine hours a day doing this yeah. for months. Yeah, for upwards of a year in some cases. So these must be big bones because I mean the wor- the person I was working with it was in her wrist and she was heading for surgery. Okay, that's a small and- bone. So it's a small bone because we we were able to turn it around and I think it was eight or 10 weeks. Like it was not, it took her a couple of months to, to get it to the point where her orthopedist was like, what have you done? <laughs> like, how did you do that? <laughs> so yes, things happen. 
So again, if you're combining things, if they're working with you, then you're already doing a lot of other stuff. Right. It's already yeah. is prepping the ground for, you know, the growth of the, uh, the seeds that you just planted. So it's variable. It's going to vary with the person and the problem. So yes, the bigger bones, a thigh bone or a femur or tibia. Yeah, it's just going to take time. Yeah. It's going to take more time. Yeah, for so sure. You can, you can try to cheat and try to do more time, but then you're, you're going to find out. And I tell people regularly, I can't tell you how fast you're going to heal. Your body's going to tell you how fast you're going to heal because you have all these other factors going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. So watch your body, watch your healing, do testing, do imaging studies, do biochemistry whatever you need to monitor your progress. And then, then you'll know whether you're doing enough. So if you're not doing enough, then you have to change your routine, your protocol. And in the, in the book, I provide people protocols for the different conditions. You do. You do. And, and one of the things going back to bones again, and you know, these are a lot of these are like, for example, osteoporosis, which is a disease of aging. It's, it's part of the aging process that happens to so many people because of hormonal changes, nutritional changes, whatever the case may be. Inflammation. Inflama- and inflammation is going to compound that. Steroids. Inflammation, inflammation in many people, inflammation is the primary cause. So even in hormonal deficiency, if you have a lot of inflammation, if you have an autoimmune disease, if you have chronic Lyme disease, chronic mold toxicities or lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or whatever, all of that's going to combine together to put even more stress on the body's ability to repair that bone. Right. And so for the osteoporosis, the PMF is going to help, obviously, as long as the nutritional factors are being addressed and all that. But it's not going to replace things like, you know, weight bearing exercise. Like there's there's a physical reality to having to load the bone so that the bone will produce more bone. Absolutely. In fact, with osteoporosis, magnetic field therapy doesn't do a great job. Nothing does. No. To build new bone. It's very hard to build new bone. So how often do we do bone density testing? Every two years, approximately. That's what mm-hmm. the recommendations are. But actually, studies have been done that show that you probably need to do it every three years. So why should you repeat the studies after three years? Because in two years, you're not going to see enough change. Right. So it's that it's slow. It's that slow. No matter what you do. No matter what you do. So that means you may never be able to replace the bone bank that you had before you started your osteoporosis process. But at the very least, you win if you lose no more. Oh, absolutely. No, stopping it absolutely is a, is a huge win. And so the, cause we, and the other thing we talked about earlier was PMFs and stem cells, and you were talking about this. So PMF has this magical effect on ATP, which we know is the energy currency of the body. And if we're increasing that by a hundred to 600%, we're way ahead of the game, but what about stem cells? Because those are those little cells that can become new tissue. Oh, and for osteoporosis and helium fractures, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. Yeah, you're stimulating, stimulating stem, stem cells. cells. But you're doing a lot more than that. So look for a second on the osteoporosis. You're not only increasing stem cells to get new bone growth, you're clearing the swamp. Right. Clearing the inflammation, you're improving circulation. And then you're adding, the body's able to then add mineralization. So it's not only cha- making new bone, but the bone that you're making is very soft bone. Mm-hmm. So to make it hard, you have to mineralize it. And magnetic field therapy works along that whole spectrum. Okay. So the same, and you have to provide the minerals. So you have to provide the minerals. If you're mineral deficient, then yes, you're not going to make new bone. So when when you're 
when you or another practitioner is working with people with PMF and they've got bone issues, which frankly, if you're dealing with most people in their 60s and 70s are going to, anybody north of 50 really- At least arthritis, yes. Yeah, so do you you recommend um, like mineral balancing? Because again, now we get into the issues of heavy metals displacing minerals, mineral deficiencies or imbalances because of medications or whatever, or person's diet, whatever the case may be. So I, I do recommend that most people work with a nutritionist or a natural, naturopath or somebody who understands natural medicine or functional medicine, because you, you need all that in place as well. And especially in, especially in cancer, I do a lot of cancer, cancer work with PMS. But it, it does better, much better, if they're doing all the IV vitamin C and the ozone and all those other things. So yes, for building new bone, you should be on a bone protocol. And when people buy a system from us, we give them a, a, a protocol. Okay, yeah, because that 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 company that I was working with, they had this kind of juice. You know, they had this this it was like an electrolyte formula of some kind, but they'd had it made for themselves. And they recommended that when people do PMF, they use this, they drink this on a regular basis. And that's part of it, but that's not all. So that particular figure that they're using is not necessarily going to provide everything that you need. Well, and the other thing is that people have different imbalances, right? Like that's that's the problem. So that's why you have to work with somebody who's going to actually do a better uh, consultation with you. Yeah. Advise you on your own specific needs. Uh, to get that, that balance properly. Um, so back to stem cells. Yes, back to stem cells. PEMFs early on years ago, there was a study done by NASA looking at a fairly low intensity magnetic field. And that magnetic field was applied to Petri dishes, cell cultures. Yeah. Right? So that means that the magnetic field is right there. So talk about the inverse square law. Yeah, yeah on the cell. Yeah, right. got it. Yeah, if you're going to try to extrapolate that information, to the body, then you have to adjust for the intensity that you need. Well, that particular magnetic field was about um, 100 Gauss to 200 Gauss applied to Petri dishes. And they found to a cell culture, a um, neural stem cell culture. Okay. So stem cells, but it was neural stem cells. And neural stem, stem cells are hard to grow, very hard to grow. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's very hard to stimulate stem cells in the brain. We used to think that once, once you have an adult brain, you're done, you're toast. Not so much. But not so much, but you need the right stimuli. So you need to stimulate to get that. Anyway, what they found in this study is that PEMF therapy, in that case, applied 24-7 to that culture, um, stimulated stem cell growth by a factor of 400%. Okay, but that's 100 Gauss on a cell. That's 100 Gauss on a cell plate culture. Yeah. So what happens when you do that to a system? Uh, you need more, yeah. depending <laughs> on where you're treating. So if you're treating the whole body, then you, then you want to stimulate stem cells throughout the whole body, then that's a different issue. If you're trying to stimulate stem cells for a shoulder injury or for the brain mm-hmm. or concussion or other injuries in the brain, then yes, you're going to have to adjust the intensity based on, uh, based on that. Um, so we know the PMFs increase stem cells between, say, 65% to 400% locally. And anybody considering stem cell therapy, and I did, I did this lecture to a group of stem cell doctors, to an association, and... Uh, I don't know that I was all that happily uh, <laughs> received, <laughs> but I said, you can't grow a garden in a swamp. Sure. Right? And sure. what the stem cell doctors unfortunately are doing is they're throwing the stem cells in. 
Well, sometimes, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you hear about people who have stem cell injections in their knee and it's like transformational, right? Their knee, it, it like it, they regain function, their pain goes away. And then you get other people who get stem cell injections in their knees and they're like six months later, they're like nothing. I got nothing but a miserable, you know, I've, I've lost a lot of money and it still hurts and it didn't take. And to your point. By itself, stem cells are anti-inflammatory. Sure. Well, they have stem cells, the stem cells gravitate to where inflammation is and they decrease inflammation. Yeah. But yeah. if decreasing inflammation is just the beginning, mm-hmm. you have to stimulate the growth of the stem cells. You have to stimulate their differentiation into the compartment that you want them to be stimulated to grow in. Yeah. And you have to help them to survive. So in other words, you've made bone cells. Okay. So what? But if yeah. the, the environment is going to destroy them in a heartbeat, then what's the value? So PMF therapy works along the entire spectrum. Right. Clears the swamp, but you do the stem cell therapy. And if you did magnetic therapy, you might not need stem cell therapy because right. you're going to activate your own stem cells. And you're, so it's autologous. Right. Right. And then you have to do intensive enough treatment to be able to stimulate stem cells to get the repair. And then that takes time. Right. So you, you have, you're going to have to be patient, but if you don't want to be patient, use stem cell, use magnetic therapy along with your stem cell therapy to make it work even better. Perfect. Love it. Okay. So PMFs and the brain. So I'm, I'm gathering from this conversation, we're going to have to wrap up soon, but safe for the brain. There's no issues for the brain. As a matter of fact, one of the notes that I, I had made was something about, um, are they being used, are PMS being explored for neurodegenerative diseases at all? Like, I mean, cause these are the diseases of our time, right? As people are living longer, they may not have lived as healthy a life for whatever number of reasons. They have all kinds of neurodegenerative issues coming along the pipes. And, you know, to people, to a lot of people, it's like, you know, it's a little bit what you said earlier, like you see your muscles, you see your skin, you take care of those things. You don't see your brain. And we may not take as good care of our brain, some of us as we probably should, for the for that the longevity and the vitality that we're expecting. So, like, does PMF actually? I mean, number one, I I know the answer. Is it safe? Clearly, from our conversation, absolutely. But is it being explored for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, like all these neurodegenerative conditions? Yes, in both of my books, the Power Tools for Health book and the Supercharge Your Health book. Uh, but in the Supercharger uh, Power Tools for Health book, we talk about the science for that. This is the book. It's the orange one. Yep. So there's a science. Okay. So it's, it's certainly being studied. Now, in that book, Supercharger book, we don't have the science. It's more practical. Yeah, no, this is like the, the manual. <laughs> it's the manual for the, for the first one. Yeah. Right. And if you want to not only geek out, but you really want to understand why magnetic fields are working and why am I making a $6,000 investment? Yes. Buy the Power Tools for Health book. It's an ebook for $9 educate yourself uh-huh. and then then you'll have a much better sense of what you're doing so back to the brain the brain is just another tissue yes right it's a computer but it's another tissue it's a pretty important tissue <laughs> it's a i don't disagree once one bit but it's still a tissue correct and that is going to react like any other tissue can can pmf therapy make you smarter that was can can it make a brain be smarter and it's more likely to make a brain be smarter if the brain was not uh, adequate to be smart. Okay. So if you had a concussion, but you can't build muscle without exercising the muscle. I can help you to build the muscle with PMF therapy, but you still have to do the exercise. As you were saying, you still have to exercise your brain. Mm-hmm. Magnetic therapy is not going to fill it. So as a, as a person without 
a brain issue, would would doing PMF while you're learning be of any value? Yes, the Russians actually studied that. They did. Of course they did. <laughs> it's called theta learning. Okay. Well, yeah. So now we have these, We many people are exploring these different devices that people wear on their heads. Right. And they're very weak. So they don't work as well, but they, they work. They're still doing something. Um, PMF therapy can use resonance therapies as well. In fact, I have a device called the FlexPulse. We designed it with a German manufacturer to produce specific frequencies that are primarily key to neuroscience. So there's a sleep frequency, there's a relaxation frequency, there's a uh, brain stimulation, waking up the brain frequency. There's a meditation frequency, it's 40 Hertz called gamma. And that's actually helpful for learning. And it's been actually shown to help to prevent um, Alzheimer's, 40 Hertz. So that's that little device, battery operated, portable, rechargeable battery that you can use for hours at a time. I had a, a patient came into the office one time who was extraordinarily anxious. She's like fidgety. I haven't hadn't seen somebody that anxious in a long time. She sat down and within two minutes she was pacing. So um, I put a put the magnet on the back of her head, the flex pulse magnet, the back of her head. Turned it on high, put it on theta seven hertz, and literally within about five minutes, you could see the elevator going down. Wow. She sat down, sat for the rest of the interview. So she ended up at the end, ended up purchasing a system. But I asked her what I asked her what she was at the beginning, out of 10, zero to 10, 10 being zero anxiety, 10 being the worst you can imagine. She said seven. I thought she was at 13 already. Well, she's been living with it all this long, right? So her perception is different than yours. <laughs> she has her own sort of sense of the, the severity. Yeah. So I would hate to imagine her being at 10. Mm-hmm. If she thought she was at seven. But anyway, she went from seven to three. Amazing. Just with just with that one hour, basically it became a one hour treatment. So it's modulating the brain. It's improving circulation, stimulating stem cells, decreasing inflammation, um, stimulating the energy production in the body, ATP production in the brain. So it's doing all of these things and it's activating and restoring the balance of the of the frequencies of the brain. So you and I right now, we are in beta or higher. So beta being, say, 13 hertz up to 23, 30 hertz. Now, when you're relaxed, when you're watching soaps or watching TV and not thinking or processing, you're, then you're basically in, in alpha. Right. Right. When you're meditating, you can be in alpha or theta. Correct. Right. When you're in deep sleep at night or the night, you're in delta. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Well, not hopefully. Everybody's going to be in delta. The question is for how long. Right. And how deep. Uh, so th- this this machine, FlexPulse, is used just for that purpose. And I call it Flying Delta. So that FlexPulse is specifically for the brain? It's not for anything else? No. Any magnetic field, doesn't matter what the frequency is. And there's a whole lot of garbage, I think, uh, online about the importance of frequencies. The frequencies can be important, especially when it comes to tuning the brain. So if you are anxious, you're going to be in high beta. So what I do with 7 hertz is I throw seven hertz at the brain and the brain is listening to the seven hertz and you're already in, in beta, then what the seven hertz does is your brain starts to listen to it and the brain ramps itself down. It's called entrainment mm-hmm. or frequency following. So that's what we're doing then is we're with Delta, for, for example, at night, we're getting the brain to more and more and more of the brain cells and the parts of the brain are beginning to oscillate down to that Delta level and then lights out. So it's doing many, many different different things to the brain, and it's very, very safe. 
Um, then the Power Tools for Health book, I talk about safety. Mm-hmm. And there are devices called TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation machines that are now approved by uh, m- most governments to treat treatment resistant depression. And they do a very high intensity magnetic field across the brain, but they're usually putting it locally. So that process, the way they do that process, now that machine is probably about seven or 8,000 ducks. And if you stimulate, which is a standard protocol, you stimulate over the motor cortex, over the part of the brain that controls movement. Yeah. And they increase the intensity until they get twitching of the hand. So you're stimulating the brain to cause twitching of the hand. So it, almost in a sense, it's like creating a seizure. Yeah, well, you could you could say that, but yeah. It's neurostimulation. So then you say, okay, well, that's the motor threshold. And then they will go maybe up to 110% or 120% of the motor threshold and then put the treatment to the front left front of, uh, area of the brain for uh, then helping with depression. This same kind of system is being studied, as you were asking, for neurodegenerative disorders. Okay. ALS, MS, Alzheimer's, clearly. And so, yes, PEMF therapy can be very, very helpful for all those conditions. But, you know, when we're, when we're in our 60s and 70s, one of the problems that causes Alzheimer's is the fact that we don't have circulation to the brain, right? And ATP production decreases with age. Stem cells decrease with age. So we have a whole lot of things that magnetic fields are all of a sudden starting to amp up. And inflammation. And reducing inflammation. I mean, ultimately, it's going back to square one, getting at those core issues of the body that stop it from doing its thing, result, helping to optimize those, and then just letting the body do what it knows to do, which frankly, we still don't know how to do it for the body for the most part. And the good thing about PMFs is you don't have to be smart. You don't have to have a specific protocol. You don't have to have a specific frequency. So as I said, you can do the frequencies for the brain. And that's the only place that I account for frequencies primarily is when I treat the brain. Okay. Because again, the frequency, the purpose of a frequency is to give you the slope, upslope to deliver the energy into the body. And if you're repeating it too fast, then you don't get a chance to get that energy up to the level it needs to be to go deep based on that 15 Gauss rule. Right. Right. So then you, again, you have to know what mag, you have to know what intensity you use. So intensity in my book is the most important parameter. And, and I don't care what you do with frequency. And now, if you want to be awake. Oh, that's interesting. I was going to ask about that because there's intensity and frequency. You have two different aspects here, but intensity is really in your mind, which is the expert mind <laughs> intensity rules. It rules because that, that's the mistake that most people make more than, more than anything is the intensity because of the induced currents in the body. You have to induce those currents and you have to reduce them deep enough in the tissue to do the job that you want it to do. So frequency, it can be important. And some studies have looked at frequency and they say there are frequency windows, there are intensity windows, but almost all of those studies have been done in Petri dishes. Okay. Right. So it's very hard to extrapolate to a human because we have cybernetic processes. We have response processes. We have homeostatic processes that don't occur in a Petri dish. Right. So, you basically, it becomes an, an experiment of one for every person. But one of the key factors I also tell people is you can't be pouring gasoline on the fire. Then you're deciding how much water you need to put the fire out, but you're still pouring gasoline on the fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. The only way to put out the fire is to drown the fire. Right. Well, you don't necessarily need to do that, but don't, don't cause the problem to continue to progress. Try to back off the cause in the first place. 
and then you can do the repair in behind. Because otherwise you're trying to match the amount of damage that you're causing by what you're continuing to do, like eating too much sugar and you're diabetic. Well, you don't even have to be diabetic. I mean, you know, my my similar analogy I give people is if your kitchen's on fire, you can send a contractor in there to remodel your kitchen, but it's not going to get very far. It's just going to keep burning down. So yeah, until you stop the fire. Yeah, exactly. So, so we do the same thing. So people expect miracles and continue, want to continue behaviors and don't want to do the supplementation they need or, you know, change their diets or change lifestyle factors. So that's okay. That's that's a choice. But that means you're going to have to compensate differently for that situation than you would if somebody's doing everything that they should. Well, and you're going to get different results. That's bottom line. And you're going to have to work at it a hell of a lot harder. And you're still going to get different. I mean, you can still have the $6,000 machine. It still can only do so much if you're going to continue pouring gasoline on the fire, as you say. So It's an important anecdote. I think it's in my book, Power Tools for Health. Um, I had a three-year-old who cut off the end of her thumb just below the nail in a door jam in BC. Okay. Right in the Whistler area of BC. She cut off the, the end. And the father called me and said, what do I do? And he had one of these small portable magnetic devices. So I said, have him sew it back on because a three-year-old has amazing recuperative ability. No kidding. Yeah. And there's some evidence that up to about age 11, we have that capacity. The, the younger you are, the better it, uh, it heals. Anyway, so we did an hour and a half, had him reattach it. I have the pictures before, black right? Because it evolves. So there's no blood supply. Yeah. Literally, she did an hour and a half to three hours a day. And I have sequential pictures. 12 weeks later, she's regrowing an end. Wow. That's amazing. That really, I mean, it is, it's also the power of the three-year-old body, but to be able to help that body to re-accept <laughs> the tissue and then to grow into that. that exactly. Like the blood vessels, the nerves, everything. All we did is basically cover the wound. By, re by replacing the tip that broke off. Now, there may have been residual stem cells. There may have been re residual things that were in there that were, could still be awakened. But basically, the, the, the thumb grew into the, de the dead area over the 12 weeks, stem cells. Yeah. And nutrition and decreasing inflammation and stimulating connective tissue development and fibroblasts and all that stuff. For sure. And three years old. That's the power of PMS. That is amazing. That is amazing. But I think what's, you know, I mean, it's amazing for a three-year-old, but... I do think that what we're what what it's capable of for people who are older is pretty amazing. I don't know, you know, your opinion on this. I'm not going to name the company, but I did buy a mat for my parents in the fall. I would say that and they use it twice a day, 30 minutes at different settings. And I saw them in December because we don't live in the same country. They're in the States. And it's remarkable. The, just the very subtle difference in, in energy that I see in both of them. Like they're both sleeping better for starters, which is going to improve their energy, but it's kind of like their life force has increased. It's, it's, only, it's the only way I can really describe it. And you can get that by doing whole body acupuncture stimulation. Right. So, I mean, yeah, neither of them, thank God, have needed massive healing, but. I have to admit that, Virtually all magnetic therapy is going to have going to help you. If you're not doing that already. It's all it's going to help. The question, the only question is yeah. not if. The question is how much mm -hmm. and, and and where. So so if you get the right system, again, this is where getting the books becomes really important. Then you can figure out for yourself also what kind of intensity you're likely to need for the problems you're trying to deal with, and you're always go for the worst problem. Of course. Right. 
So if it's osteoporosis and you have, let's say, arthritis in your knees, well, you got to do the, the right therapy for the osteoporosis because the whole skeleton's involved. Yeah. And that yeah. means you have to account for the intensity differences around the entire body. Mm-hmm. Again, cancer needs a lot more energy, and especially for trying to prevent for the cancers. Yeah. And so with cancer in the book, and I'm breaking my own rule here, we're going to keep going. But just last thing for cancer in the book, you do talk about different types of cancers, different, is it different intensities for different types of cancers, different. And part of it, I'm sure has to do with where the cancer is, how deep it is. But at the same time, I, I don't, I mean, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I read the whole thing fully, but I just remember going through it and saying, okay, this is interesting. Cause it's not just a slap a pad on and band-aid solution here. Like it seems like there were different intensities required for different types of cancers. Not so much. Or is it not so much? Not so much. Because that, that doesn't make sense either, actually. Not so much that it's much more about depth. Okay. And let's okay. not forget that if you have a higher intensity system, you're going to need less treatment time, typically for the same results. Okay. So the lower the intensity system, if you have to go, because inflammation is a huge part of cancer. Sure. That means you have to address the inflammation. Like say, um, for example, with breast cancer, something that people probably don't want to hear, uh, but every woman with breast cancer has bone, bone stem cells, bone, bone cancer stem cells, or breast cancer stem cells in the bones already. Six, 40 to 60% of women. Okay. So the treatment, getting over your initial treatment is okay, but you have a risk 20 years later, 15 years later of having bone metastasis. Yeah. Well, and you see it all the time. So the goal then is that you got to be treating the whole skeleton like osteoporosis. You have to treat the whole skeleton and keep the inflammation down because it's the inflammation that activates the stem cells to become metastases. Okay. Right. Now the, the stem cells may be in your femur, but in breast cancer, the metastases go to the lungs go to the ribs and the spine right they're not as often in the, in the peripheral bones but then they migrate to other parts of the body so again because you don't know where they are where the stem cells are you have basically have to treat the whole body with a sufficient amount of intensity with a sufficient amount of treatment time to prevent that problem from happening right so so yeah so in the book you talk about the pmf being an adjunctive an adjunct therapy to whatever cancer therapy you decide to pursue whatever that may be with whoever's advising you, but what you're saying here now also is then the ongoing PMF becomes almost a preventative or it helps to mitigate the risk of those, those cancer cells of recurrent metastases, yeah. right, developing a new cancer. Yeah. That's, that's clearly one of the areas where prevention is absolutely a must. Well, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause I, I warn people to say you can be Penny wise and pound foolish, right? So the, the problem is that you are dealing with something that is 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 not, even though you've been in, in quotes cured, mm-hmm. I don't consider cancer a cure. I believe that cancer is a chronic condition. Yeah. And I think in fairness, most people will use the word remission rather than cure. I mean, I think that it's a little bit arrogant to say my cancer is cured unless they've actually chopped off a part of you. <laughs> yeah. Colleges tell you five years, you're cured. Okay. Well. Not having, yeah, okay. Not realistic, right? Yeah. But that's what they say. So I don't believe in something called survivorship. I don't believe that you're a cancer survivor. You're a survivor of whatever treatment you have, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. Right? But then you need to do long-term maintenance. And the diets and nutrition, all that, the psycho-spiritual, all that becomes very important for long-term management of of your risk. Mm How did you get there in the first place? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. You what I love about about what you're saying over and over again is that, you know, the PMF is literally it's a complete game changer. It's a fundamental piece of the puzzle, but it still remains a piece of the puzzle. You still have to do all the other work. You still have to put in the work, the nutrition, the mind body stuff, the lifestyle, all the things to really mitigate your risk and to age well. And I mean, that was one of the things I asked you about at the beginning was, you know, for longevity is PMF a thing. And it absolutely is. I mean, through this conversation over and over again, it just keeps coming up that it could be one of the most critical pieces that will then optimize all the other things that you do to optimize your longevity. Optimize a takeaway chance. Yeah. Reduces chance. Right. So if you've got that energy in your body already, then the body takes care of business. I know we're running over. I'll give you another example. <laughs> given, given the hundred million, hang in, guys. We'll be we'll we'll be done in a minute. <laughs> if you have a hundred trillion cells in your body, a left little toe decides to get a hangnail. Okay. Or an ingrown toe, something like. Okay, that. something un- unpleasant, unpleasant, not life threatening. How many cells have to be damaged before you even notice? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I can't even guess. Well, I'm I'm guessing. Millions. Yeah. How many cells in a little toe? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Let's say millions, because the body, the brain, our sensory systems are are a blunt instrument, mm-hmm. and so you don't notice it until finally it gets to a point of damage that now you notice it. Right. Right. So what you're doing with magnetic field therapy, because it helps cell injury early in the process. If you're doing magnetic therapy on a regular basis, you're cutting it off before it gets to an irreversible point of damage. Gotcha. Yeah. So you can repair that ingrown toenail, you can repair that tissue, but you are not finished yet. Mm-hmm. Because even though you don't notice it anymore, are those tissues healed? You will never know. Right. Unless it recurs. Right, 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 right. Well, in the case of the ingrown toenail, I mean, you've got a physical problem. Eventually, it's going to declare. Like you may, you can keep down the inflammation as long as you want. Eventually, it will over, you know, you will notice that there's a, there's a mechanical issue that has to be addressed here. My, my point, though, is that you're deciding whether you should have it and when you should stop treatment based on what you feel. Right. Is not going to be adequate. I see. Yeah, you got to go past it, past that point. That's why you have to go. That's why you do the health maintenance is you keep doing it. Then you're kind of taking care of chance gotcha. that something's brewing that you are not aware of. And it's taking rebalancing those cells on a regular basis. So as they start to get out of whack, it's easier to rebalance it than when it's at a point of a hangnail or an ingrown toenail. Gotcha. Okay. Last question for you. And then we're gonna we're gonna close it off. And if we have to, which we may, we'll record another episode one day. How much how much time do you spend doing PMF every day? I use a system every night. Every night. Every night. All night. All, while you sleep. Like it's in your bed? Yes. So I'm lazy. Lazy's good. <laughs> right? I, I accomplish two things at one time. Actually, I do use a system to help me with sleep. So uh, I use a portable a flex pulse type system for sleep. Mm-hmm. So I run it all night long because it helps to keep me down at lower levels of sleep. I, my mind is very active, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So that helps me to, to stay sedated. And then I have another, I have a history of diverticulitis. Oh, okay. Several episodes. So I say, okay. And I had a tumor in my appendix. So I had to to have a a partial uh, collectible. It was actually a a cecectomy. Part of my cecum was removed, where the appendix was. Right. 
So I got some staples in there. Well, nice. we don't yeah. want problems. No. Right. It wasn't a cancer, but it was a tumor. Mm-hmm. And so that was removed. And so I've got some risk in my belly and I use a magnetic pillow applicator that will run all night long. So I do it every day. Now I don't, I, I do whole body periodically, but I'm getting enough magnetic stimulation over a large enough area of my body that that's sufficient and over a long enough period of time. So treating one area of the body does help other areas of the body as well. So the magnetic pillow lies on your abdomen, not on, under your head, does it? On, on, yes. I lay on my abdomen on the pillow. I see. I don't lay, I don't lay on my side so much. That's my tendency to sleep is to lay on my belly. So my belly is getting treatment all night long. Nice. Lovely. And then you periodically do full body. You don't do full body every day then. I used to. Um, and because I'm doing the, the, uh, the again, the abdomen, uh, it's getting all the circulation. It's getting the nervous system. It's getting you know, the second brain. Sure. So it's helping the vascular system as well. And it's stimulating ATP, at least locally. There are magnetic systems that you, that are strong enough to be used all night long. And I have people who actually combine high-intensity magnetic therapy with whole body uh, biobalance therapy because it's strong enough and it'll run all night. And that combination actually can work very, very well, especially if you have significant uh, chronic issues like mold or Lyme disease or uh, EBV. Okay. Yeah. Well, and these seem to be rampant these days. So, um, 90% of the, 90% of the population has EBV. Right. But having it and feeling it are two different things, I think. Isn't it dormant in most people or do you think it's just causing trouble and you don't notice it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. To be continued. All right. So when do you, when, when do you want to find out what it is? Yeah, no, that's true. That's a, that's a good point. Well, this has been a long ranging, very educational conversation. I want to thank you so much for your time today. It's my pleasure. And- and your willingness to share all this information with people. Where can people find you and how, how do they get themselves edging, you know, to the next level of education? This podcast is really just a little piece. Obviously, the books are fantastic. But what if they just need to talk to somebody? Because a lot of people are like, look, I need help now. I don't have time to sit and read a book and digest. DrPollock.com. Okay. Not all the information that's in the books is on DrPollock.com, but people actually get overwhelmed at drpollock.com as it is. There's a lot of information. Okay. If you really want to learn about the adenosine receptor and the 15 Gauss rule, yeah. then that adenosine blog is on drpollock.com. Okay. And if you're interested in getting a consultation for the best equipment for you, for your needs, your personal specific needs, individual needs, then there's a form on the website. You can look on the homepage and it says uh, consultation. And uh, there's three of us that do consultations. I have two other people. One's a chiropractor, one's a, an acupuncturist, and myself. Perfect. So, so we, we, you can find somebody to help you. Uh, but again, if you're only willing to spend $50 or $100, I think if you're not willing to if you look at the website, go to the store, look at the product comparison, and see what likely you're, go- what you're likely going to need. And again, I would strongly recommend getting, uh, at the very least, the Supercharge Your Health book. Okay. Yeah. I give you the specific advice, right? For sure. what, you, what you probably need for your problem. Okay. Yeah. It'll give you a starting point. Yeah. And that's a starting point that you can look at the store. You can see what the cost is and then decide whether you want to get a consultation. So if you're willing to spend, if you're able to and willing to spend over $3,000, then a consultation is free. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you so much again. This has been fantastic. So it's drpollock.com. Dr. Pollock is P-A-W-L-U-K.com. 
And um, I think we're going to leave it at that for now. Thank you so much for your time. Perfect. Thank you for having me on and sharing. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or if you'd like to leave any comments or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.